0: Of our Fathers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn. Joined as always by my <laughs> oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey everybody. Sorry, I'm getting excited. And my middle brother Matthew Kuhn. He had to think about it a little bit. <laughs> it's been a long night. It is the five and two Cleveland Browns podcast. Let's go. Who would have guessed? Not me. Five and two. We we literally started from the bottom, and now we're here. Yep. It's hard to believe like i just gotta pinch I, myself we're definitely not at the top don't get me wrong there is two teams ahead of us in our division but it feels like we're at the top but i feel amazing
1: five and two yeah five and two we we lived through two and a half years of the the hugh jackson era and he won three games so um i think oh
2: yeah no it's crazy it was absolutely crazy three and 32 over two and, and a half seasons yeah
0: we've had three seasons worth of wins in this short period of time <laughs> that's why we're so joyous
2: yeah so i think it was during monday night football last night during halftime you know booger mcfarlane was in the studio um and they had gone through some of the highlights for a handful of the games including the browns and they were talking about i think probably the obj injury and all sorts of stuff and his like overarching comment about the browns as you like look forward on the season was they've beaten the teams that you would expect them to beat that like they should beat and they haven't showed up in like the tough matchups which is kind of a narrative like you've heard from other people but like that first part of that, win, they've it, beaten it, the win. teams that you'd expect them to beat, like the Indianapolis Colts that have only lost two games, including the game to the Browns. Like, like these are the teams that were expected to beat. Now that there's this expectation of the Browns actually executing and going out and beating Since teams when? Like the Cowboys Since the Colts?
0: <laughs> Since when? Since when have we been expected to beat the Colts to beat anybody? Yes. It doesn't I mean make-
2: that that like I was like oh like. That's a big thing. Like I felt like he was trying to like it was more of intended to be more of a dig and was yeah. like they need to show up and actually like play against like the tough teams. But Michael Michael started to
0: blush and he was yeah. like, "Thank you, booger." <laughs> yeah. That was quite a compliment. He's <laughs> <laughs> got such All bad right. <laughs> such bad Stockholm syndrome. He can't even <laughs> Oh man. Can't even take a proper insult. No, I am I'm happy
2: to be here.
1: No, but it, and and I saw a couple, I mean, Look, power rankings, take them for what they're worth. But there's there's a bunch of power rankings that have the Colts better than us. Which, DPOA has the Colts in the top five. Yeah, which which I'll I'll take that as a compliment all day. It's it's like we went out and beat a team that was better than us. Better than us. Air quotes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know what that even means. Up. But great. Yeah. We're five and two. No, absolutely. Let's go. People
0: are also, it's a good place to be when people aren't giving you any credit and you're not over-inflating your ego. It's the exact opposite of last year, and I'm totally fine with it. I'm totally fine with the national media thinking that we're trash.
1: We're going to be like 11-5 and five and still and dealing be like, with like the, yeah. the beating who that you expected them to beat. And it's like 11
0: teams. which Which would be fair when you look at our schedule, <laughs> <laughs> that they could still maintain that narrative um and we could get all the way through it but in the nfl it's always it's always a fight it's always a fight but we have beaten five teams um, already this year it's which busy. i think
1: i saw i think i saw on twitter that we've already e- bested or equaled the win total in 14 of the season since we've come back of our previous like yeah. 21
0: series yeah. seasons 20 seasons yeah which is ridiculous we are all witnesses to this five and two season that the Browns are currently. The tear, let's call it what it is, an absolute tear that the Browns are on right now. Oh, um, and uh, I mean, credit
1: credit to this team, but credit to Kevin Stefanski coming in. He's five and two in his first seven games,
2: and had all crushing,
0: crushing st-
2: stacked against him,
1: the previous win percentage of of previous coaches before him.
0: I mean, I don't know how anyone can hold a candle to him or say anything bad about him. He's got a, a long leash. Yep. From this point on. I mean, but how about this game? Yeah. I mean I mean we beat the we beat the Bengals. Who is a team that we expected to beat? But Thank you, Booger. Thank you, Booger. <laughs> but it is it was still just as
2: exciting. I mean I was actually thinking about this big picture and we can get into specifics of the game and how some of the like players performed and you know questions and stuff that we've got coming out of this game. But big picture have we had a more exciting victory than this one in the modern era?
1: I th- I think the Jets victory just because well, it was like the first one if we and watched the J- Bakerness. If we, and we watched like, the
0: Jets' victory next week, we wouldn't feel that way. But given like, everything that was like surrounding because it, because it was Baker's coming out party and the losing streak, and yeah. we'd, we'd lost so many games in a row. How many was it at that point? There were multiple years on it was
1: the like, line it was like there
0: like 18 games, like 19, 19
2: something like that. Yeah. yeah. I guess the difference there is that it didn't have the fourth quarter like comeback like on your shoulders like nature to it like there was a comeback in the second half but it was it was established at the end of the game it wasn't it, was, it wasn't in
1: the waning seconds like like down down to the wire wire
2: right it like didn't have the same like celebratory quality that this yeah. particular game had i mean we that had dog pile we made on the couch right here on sunday was that was a good one was something else that was a good one. I uh, I don't remember
0: a time when our quarterback led us all the way down the field in a less than 2 minute warning and we moved effectively and efficiently all the way down the field and scored a touchdown to win the game. Like I that's not something that I
2: the closest thing I can remember is when the Browns came here to Nashville to play the Titans and we like had that huge comeback and there was the crossing route to Travis, Travis Benjamin, Benjamin yeah. across in the back of the end zone was the final nail in the coffin that, like, secured it for us. That was late in that fourth quarter in that game. That's the closest thing I can remember to a fourth quarter comeback.
0: I remember I felt good for two weeks after that (laughs) game. (laughs) Every day I woke up and I was like, "Mm, it's great to be alive. We practically (laughs) ran back to your apartment. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the Browns had four possessions in the second half in this game and scored four touchdowns. Yes. I mean... Yes. that's a, We went back and forth with the Bengals in the second half.
2: Yes. The Browns scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Just, I, yeah. I it, mean, it's hard to do. It's not easy to do. Um, man, I got lots of questions about the defense, mm-hmm. but um, it was good to see that Baker Mayfield on the field executing, dishing it yeah. out. So, Being so, accurate, I mean, all of that was just such a such a sight for sore eyes. So, obviously, all the
0: listeners, I would hope, if they're listening to this podcast, then they probably watch the game. But the the script that played out was Baker went 0 for 5 with an interception and then proceeded to complete 22 straight passes to finish the game, around 300 yards and five touchdowns. The only other incompletion he had than his first five passes was a spike that he threw into the dirt to clock – um to clock it and then... Which
1: can I go on record in saying the spike is we already treat it way differently than every other football play? Like it should be intentional grounding. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> according to the rules. Can Why? we can we not consider it an incompletion? <laughs> like, <laughs> like we already just decide that it's this weird phenomenon that mm-hmm.
0: we allow to happen. Like it's not an incompletion. I also agree with you for the sake of Baker's stats. But what is it, then? Yeah. just so what? How is it going to be recorded? We're just going to forget about it? I don't know. like A sack. I think a sack it's... would be better. Give it to the closest defensive lineman. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it hardly feels like it should be an incompletion,
1: especially when you have to do, like, multiple of them. Like, if you're trying to, like, come down, like, you get you have, like, three in a draft. It really messes it, with the stat but, line. But it...
0: But people don't care like an NFL coach doesn't care about the stat line right like you do
1: care
2: if you've just had 21 straight completions a- <laughs> and, agents care when they're negotiating a new deal and completion percentage is comes up as a part of the way you stack up against everybody how else negligible I'm just saying
0: is spiking the ball to a quarterback's total completion percentage at the table of negotiation I would I would <laughs> love
1: to see an agent fairly <laughs> I would love to see an agent present like adjusted completion percentage. Just take out take out <laughs> drops, which is like fairly normal. That's but seems also fair. take out spikes. <laughs> Other stuff like that. I just think we already treat it weird. It should be intentional grounding under the the letter of the law. It's bullcrap that that's considered an incompletion. No, it's fair. On let's let's
0: give Baker the credit that he's due because at the beginning of this game, I specifically remember Dad saying, "What are we gonna do during the off season?" About her quarterback, yeah. Which is <laughs> the narrative. which I will say I will say is not not to throw dad under the bus or anything like that. It is it is a narrative that Browns fans have, right? But I obviously he proved everyone wrong and Dad's not saying that right now. He's, no, he's, no one is. He
1: specifically asked. He was like, "We've never seen him start a game poorly and come back and recover and play well." Like at one point he said those words when he was zero for five and.
0: Like, they couldn't have been, like, he's got to eat some crow. I will say that's largely true. I don't remember many other games where Baker seemed shook and then shook it off, and this was definitely that. Um, But it it was an incredible game from Baker. Baker is the sole and only reason why we won that football game. We won because of Baker Mayfield. I, I can't point the finger at a lot of other people and say it, that that's the reason why we won. It did
2: require a handful of really good catches from some of the receivers and tight ends, but they were good throws. But they were very good throws. There's no doubt.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, do do you disagree with me that we won almost entirely because of Baker? Uh, no, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. So that's great. What do what what do you make of this? Where do we stand with Baker? Because it's a large
2: narrative. I mean, I I. I just want to make a general comment that I hate, and I think the NFL just lends itself to this. It's you know you play one game a week, and so it's the spotlight is on that particular game, and there's plenty of things to talk about. But it is a freaking roller coaster to talk about. Like last week, we were all talking about what quarterback the Browns need to draft because Baker clearly doesn't have it, and then he shows up and plays. Well, to be I fair, think, we weren't we, talking. We about were that not talking about. Mindless. Yes, yes. <laughs> thank you. But the, the royal we. <laughs> For, yeah. the, for the
0: first-time listeners,
2: <laughs> yes. but the Greater Browns collective narrative was about that. And then this week, it's like, oh, he figured it out. And it's like, you know, the truth's somewhere in the middle. Like, it, and like yeah. that's the case with that, all of these players. That like, he had
1: this in him the whole time, and he's not going to do this every
2: week. There but. are so many freaking factors that go into like the output and what you see in the sixty plays in any one given football game. And that the Bengals' like, defense sucks. Yeah, the Bengals' example. defense like didn't give him as tough a look as the Steelers did the week before, so he was like a little bit more comfortable probably. But like he also executed and was more accurate than he than like he stood in the pocket better than he did against the Steelers. Like there's a million different factors at play. You know he probably isn't going to continue to be quite as good as he was for the final three quarters of this game, but. If, right, if he is as we good, go. we're winning the Super Bowl.
1: Right. Like, <laughs> like, like if he plays like that for the next like 12 games. All right, here, we're here Super we go. Here's
0: another giant narrative for you. Yeah. Do you think one of those factors is that Odell Beckham Jr. was not playing in the game for three well, quarters of the game? How much credence do you give that? So I don't, I don't give it any. And none, and, none. That's a, that's hard to stomach. Uh, I, do you I, not I, give it any or do you not want to give it any? So I I just don't
1: understand like the the logic. The only logic I can I can give to it is that it messes with like Baker's psyche. And bake and Baker knows what he has in Odell, knows where the play is supposed to go, so so sticks there longer than he needs to.
0: Or or Yes. Yeah. Like that. Like I think it's in his head that he has and was given one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and he has to make it work with him. And Odell's obviously an outspoken leader as well. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways I think there could be an element that like he feels like he needs to feed Odell above all else and that that's his role. And whenever Odell's not there that entire veil gets lifted off and he can just be Baker. Like we saw him in his rookie year before Odell was there. That was the Baker that I saw the Baker I saw last night. I, I just like, it's so clear the difference. I don't
1: feel like he feels like he needs to feed him so much as that. Like wants he, to he, feed him. He wants to, and he knows what he has there and like tries to make it work. Um, I, I feel like there's this discussion of like Baker and Odell don't work together and can't work together. And I,
0: I disagree with that. Uh, Yeah. Entirely. No, I disagree with that too. But imagine if like Odell is this, uh, a polarizing star that was a star before like Baker even came into the league and he knew about him before. Like I would imagine that it would be intimidating. Whereas with all the other wide receivers, he can be like, you have to do this. I can't imagine walking up to Odell Beckham Jr. and saying,
2: Odell, you must do this. This is how I'm going to throw you the ball. I mean, I think about it in like normal people context. Like if you have a meeting, <laughs> if you have like a meeting coming up and it's just like the people you work with every day, like you're the way that you're going to operate, let's, like you're going to go and let's like full- talk
1: about non-alcoholic beverages. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we don't need to get that specific with this analogy. <laughs> But if, like, your boss or, like, the guy that started your company, like, whoever the big figurehead is, is gonna be in that meeting, like, whoever carries the most juice and has, like, the most weight, like, is in that meeting, like, you are paying attention to whatever that person is doing or thinking or feeling in that meeting. And that person colors the tenor of whatever's going on in that meeting. And I kind of think that's the same thing, like, in the offense. It's not that like your perspective going in is going to like change that much but like the way you're going to react is going to be a little bit different just by that person's presence being yes. there. It
0: it Baker's whole thing, but is, I don't think it's intimidating. No, no I agree with
2: this. Baker's whole thing
0: is his confidence. And you know what a really confident person doesn't like when there's something shiny right in front of him that's even more confident and even more amazing and even more glamorous. Like I could imagine that that would shake Baker's confidence. Everybody always says that when Baker's confident, he's playing well. Standing next to Odell Beckham Jr. can't make you more confident. It has to make you less confident, right? I would be less confident if I was standing next to Odell Beckham Jr. Immediately. Just immediately.
2: Yeah. I just shrivel right up. Just kind of. Like a
0: like a plum. Like a plum. Like a like a prune. Shrinkage. Prune. That's what I'm yes. looking
2: for. A shriveled
0: plum. <laughs> a shriveled also plum. Also known as a prune.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't think that... I don't know what it is. But I, I don't think Baker's scared. I don't think that it can't work. I think that... I mean, if anything, I think that they take the interception. Yeah. I've, I've I've seen the All-22. I've I watched it. I think they just saw different things on that coverage. Like, the safety's not coming over the top. Odell was taking it deep because he felt like he could beat the guy. If, and I feel like if Baker put it out there, Od- Odell would have beat him deep. Yeah. I also Baker feel like Baker, Baker left it short on, like, a, a comeback. And if Odell had seen that, he, they would have completed that as well. I feel like they just have a disparate understanding of what needs to happen. So A lot th- of the time.
2: So you think that they both kind of just like see the field differently and don't have like the chemistry? Is yeah. That what you're trying to say? Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, which which is I it's think
1: becoming it's pretty- harder and harder to defend after after so many games. But but the circumstances surrounding the the number of games and the off seasons and like all, all sorts of
2: stuff. Did you see? Did you happen to see the little blurb that Orlovsky had today on um, NFL Live? I didn't. So he kind of had like a two-minute deal just on this, like Odell and how it affects Baker and and that sort of thing. Mark, Matthew would like you to get a beer for both of us while you go to the bathroom. Will do. Okay. Um, And what he said was – essentially making the case for baker just makes the right read whenever odell's not on the field and there's something in the back of his head that's like impairing you know like he's thinking about odell when odell's on the field instead of just trying to make the right read but to
1: me that's about Baker. like that might be the case yeah but that's that's on baker yes that's on baker not odell And I feel like we we put a lot of that on Odell and, like, why aren't you performing? Why aren't you
2: doing it? Okay, that's a good point. Like, I agree that it's not on Odell, it's on Baker, but it's affecting – it could very well be affecting Baker and his ability to process on the field when Odell is there. I think that is pretty – Fair to say at this particular point. And on that play, on the interception, um, you know, Dan Orlewski, who played many years in the NFL as a Jarvis was wide open. Jarvis was wide open. Yeah. And with that coverage, like he's like, that play is designed for that curl route that Jarvis ran. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense at all to even go to Odell. It's odd that he tried to force something he, there he had, he had without one, taking the open look. But, yeah. You know, like, so... you. you Reading between the lines, you can tell that he's like forcing it to some degree. Um, And then he's letting it loose later on. And I think there's a balance too here. I think Stefanski and Baker are figuring each other out too. Like Stefanski talked about how he didn't give him any like layups early on. And like he prides himself on being able to get his quarterbacks into rhythm and doesn't feel like he did a great job of that early in this game. And they had to pivot a little bit once the second quarter came around and get him some easy wins to get things moving. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it too. I think there's um, a little bit of that that has to happen to kind of hit their sweet spot.
1: While we're talking about Odell, obviously there's he's out for the season towards ACL. He's, he's if you injured. hadn't heard, if you hadn't heard, I trust if you listen to this podcast <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that that you know that information. Uh, <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> what what percentage of the <laughs> listeners in this podcast didn't watch the game and have no idea
2: zero z- just, i hope so z- Zero. I mean, what kind of weirdos like listen to this zero, podcast what sort
0: like, of zero masochist <laughs> listens to a podcast like this it doesn't know that a bunch of dudes
1: in tokyo <laughs> yeah the machines in tokyo um I want to talk about I want to talk about losing Odell, and we can talk about the impact that that's going to have. I want to talk about how we lost Odell. That like on on the week that we have glorified DK Metcalf for for chasing down Buda Baker on that interception on that which that was one of the most phenomenal plays I've ever seen in my life. Effing ridiculous. Like, can we acknowledge that? the aura around Odell Beckham is that he's kind of a diva. Like he's emotional. Like he does all this. Like he, he got injured hustling back on an interception to go make a tackle. Yep. Like Mm -hmm. that's the kind of teammate you want to have. That's the kind of teammate like Baker in the post game interview talked about, like talking to Odell at halftime and like telling him that he loved him and Odell telling Baker to go be great. Like, Oh, Odell's Those, been as fantastic
2: like, as could be. Like there's like not a single thing that anyone can legitimately complain about yeah, we can regarding talk, his We can attitude. talk about
1: like production versus contract value and like all sorts of stuff. These guys are are like great people who are vibing together, who are like working well together. Like Baker, Jarvis, Odell, like I love to see it. And yep. I, I think that it's just a matter of time. Like the the talent is there, they care about each other. Like they they get along personality wise. It's just a matter of time for them to get healthy, get all on the same page. Maybe it's an off season and when they like if,
2: all get to do something together. And if it is true that Baker needs a little bit of like comfort level and maturity to like figure out how to like really sort through the mental game, like maybe the rest of this year where he gets the chance to like figure that out is going to be exactly the recipe that he needs in order to like make that work. When Odell gets back into the full with
1: a year. consistent system. Yeah. Cause yeah. Kevin that, Stefanski will be here next year. Right. I can already assure you of that. Yeah.
0: A fantastic point. What if, what if he isn't, <laughs>
1: I, if, if he's not, I will not be a Browns fan. Like he'd anymore. To, like, die of COVID
2: like that would like have to yes. happen. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: He would have to just decide he doesn't want to <laughs> coach football anymore. Like okay. it would have to be his
0: choice. Otherwise, I Jimmy will be making executive decision. Um, yeah, no, it could, it really could be a a good thing. I mean, both for Baker getting uh, mature and in the system, but then also for Odell to identify, like potentially, if Odell watches Baker be great, and then he's like, "Hmm, what's the difference here?" If that does, if it, if the rest of the season plays out like we saw this game play out, per se, don't you think Odell, the leader that he is, would say, "You know what? There has to be something." Like I'm in somewhat well, responsible well, for this, well, I don't and there's know, something that I could do to ease Baker's mind as as Baker's friend or whatever it is. I don't, I don't
1: even know what that what the issue is, and I'm not prescribing like a, a a problem necessarily. I just think that if you've got guys that genuinely care about each other, who are both talented enough to make it work, like they're going to figure they will it out eventually. And I want to give Odell credit for the the teammate and person that he's been, Absolutely. especially. Getting hurt in the way he did, because people are going to look back on this and be like, "Oh, he had a pretty terrible season, and then he got hurt." Like,
0: yeah. So that's not on him. That's another thing. Is there's no like real? It would be terrible to trade Odell
2: Beckham Jr. Oh, that would be the worst. Odell
1: Odell Beckham's going to be on the team next year. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and many years to come. Yes. I'm not worried about that part. Um, I was kind of going to wait for this later, but we're pretty deep into this conversation now. Like, what do you think? the impact is on the remainder of the season having Odo Beckham no longer available.
1: It's weird that I don't actually think that it impacts us like that much.
2: <laughs> cause cause I, Odo
1: wasn't like super effective. Like as much as I, as much as I, other than to he take won the, us the Cowboys, take game. the Dallas game out. And he hasn't been like a huge piece. But, what there's we've also, been doing. but
0: there's also the piece of Odell Beckham Jr. is on the field, and it yes. requires attention from the defense that I don't think I, as a casual fan, can quantify to the extent that an NFL defensive coordinator can and change their schemes accordingly.
1: That's absolutely fair, but we've now seen four quarters, basically, on the fly.
0: Of yeah, but no that's, not, that's, not a, that's not a game plan moving into a week. I think this week will be largely indicative of how it'll impact the rest of the season.
2: So here's the way, the way I think about it is I don't think it will largely impact the wins and losses and whether we make the playoffs. I think like for the regular season, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but I think it pretty severely impacts our ceiling. And what we could what we could do because what, the way what it, was our ceiling though? I mean that's and that's a fair question. But like, we're on a trajectory now where it is more likely than not that we make the playoffs. Five thirty eight gives us a seventy nine percent chance to make the playoffs. Right, and there are other metrics out there that give us a similar level of probability of making the playoffs. So it is more likely than not that the Browns make the playoffs as of right now, sitting at five and two, and there's just so many factors that come into play that you want to have the best talent available to be able to maximize your opportunity to win a game, any individual game in the playoffs. And I think that's where we're really like that. That's going to be a bummer. We're going to have to operate at a higher level of efficiency in order to pull off a victory in the playoffs against some of the best competition. And now you don't have an Odell threatening things. And I, I, think it limits our ceiling of advancing anywhere in the playoffs whereas i would have felt a lot better have having him having him on the field i mean because if if you're telling me sitting here telling me that like that's not the case then we probably should get rid of him like you're telling me i i just don't think that like i don't think we've and i don't think
1: anybody could make the argument that we've like taken like full advantage of sure odell beckham on our team yeah like like, I don't think we've been winning games, Cowboys game excluded, with, with that run and everything that he did. I don't think he's been the reason that we're winning games. Like, we're winning games because we're winning in the trenches. We're winning games because we're running the football. We're winning games because our defense is creating turnovers. Um, and then, like, this game, obviously, he was gone the whole time, and we, we were winning games because we were efficient on offense.
2: Yeah, but he also broadens our range of outcomes. And like the possibilities, I think our narrow of opp- our our window of opportunity is like narrowed significantly by not having top tier talent like Odell Beckham on the field. Sure, sure. And that's what I'm saying. Like I just think our ceiling is limited now. And you can still win football games. You can still win games in the playoffs by operating very efficiently and like taking what you're given. And and you can win some games. I, but
1: I I just think in the NFL like it's devastating to lose a player like Odell Beckham, but you have to, you've got to have the depth and you've got to have the coaching resilience to be able to adapt. And like, I look at the 49ers, what they're doing right now, like on offense, Kyle Shanahan is just like reinventing his entire offense every week. Cause he's got like a whole new set of skill position players. Cause a whole new set is on IR like every single week. It seems like, and they just retool and figure it out. And, I think we have that sort of resilience and depth and ingenuity within our coaching staff to be able to make it work. Like I look at the, and we'll talk about this later when we look at trades, people are saying maybe we should make a trade for a wide receiver. We've got some interesting pieces still at wide receiver that, that we can make work. So I don't, I don't, I think we're going to be okay.
2: Yeah. I think we're going to see a little bit more like tight end heavy sets most sure. likely i mean we yeah. and we've got the personnel to do that like you got to lean in on where your personnel strength is and then hopefully nick chubb comes back in a couple of weeks yeah. after the buy and we can lean in on the strength of those running backs and we can craft an offense that is going to be yeah pretty difficult to deal with um even without Odell Beckham. a lot of a lot of 23 personnel let's go i don't know if that's the ticket but um it's an option <laughs> it's an
1: option
0: Um, And I wasn't talking about Andy (laughs) Janovich. All right. Well, let's talk about, let's continue to talk about the game. And I would love to talk about specifically the defense in the game because the offense looked fantastic and they needed to because we absolutely could not stop the Bengals from
2: scoring at every opportunity that they had. It felt like there was three players on defense that played well and everyone else just sucked ass. It was Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and Ronnie Harrison. And everybody else was pretty miserable. I mean, we we could not get off the field. We had so many third and long situations, and we didn't get pressure. And then Joe Burrow had time in the pocket, and he was just carving us up with back shoulder throw. And, like, credit to Joe Burrow. The dude played phenomenal, particularly for— Grandpa's ace in the hole. Yep.
0: I I
1: had less concerns about like I felt like our our boundary defense was fine. We we were just getting beat by big receivers making athletic plays with a with a quarterback that was making the throw. I wish we I wish we disrupted the throw more.
2: The only at, times at the point I mean Miles had his two sacks and we got home on a few blitzes. We we
1: need we need to get more from our defensive line outside of Miles Garrett.
2: It's bad outside of Miles Garrett right now. From like Olivia Vernon. Olivia four?
1: Vernon has no sacks on the year. Sheldon Richardson has two and a half, and I think Larry has two, maybe one. And I I don't I don't know the pressure rates for for each of them, but we we don't seem to be getting enough from them. Our linebackers are functionally useless in, in a lot of ways. I feel like each of them has a specific skill set, but it's so limited and so particular to each of them that when any one of them is on the field, the team, the opposing team can just adjust and be like, "Oh, B.J. Goodson's on the field. Okay." If we don't guess what the other team's gonna do (laughs) correctly,
2: like we're screwed. Yeah, Yeah,
1: no, it's it's like it's like we're trying to 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 guess what they're doing with our personnel so precisely that if we're wrong, it's just an immediate like eight yards. And that's not a way to, it's a good way to put to it to function. And so we we've got six or seven linebackers, I guess. That's probably six. That that are okay. But that, but I none mean, of them can play every single down that we can be like, all right, you're a guy, we're gonna compliment you with different pieces around you to like make a functional defense that can be dynamic. We're so static at that like second level in our defense.
2: Yep. I mean to a person, there's not like any one linebacker that you can be excited about.
1: Jacob Phillips is the only one and he's so raw and so new and hasn't yeah. been on the field and like has had his knee issues and can't stay healthy. He's the only one that seems to have like a like a well rounded skill set to be able to even potentially do it.
2: Yeah, Mac Wilson seems hobbled. Like it I cringe every time I see him on the field.
1: And I mean, that and that was like the high point of his skill set was the fact that he was athletic and could like make plays in coverage yeah so i, so if I will he's, say, if he's got to step
2: slow now he's Denzel Ward real was reliability. Denzel to go back to my high points Denzel Ward was ridiculous in this game played phenomenal made a few plays on the ball made a handful of tackles that were that slide move that he made to like get under the, like i i can't even i don't even so think rid- I'm capable of dreaming of being that he's athletic so ridiculously
1: like. athletic just to be able to do that Dynamically like against live competition, like just
2: Unreal. I mean the play so and then the play on the ball against AJ Green in the end zone was, was phenomenal. I mean the follow through. And then Ronnie Harrison, I still can't get over how great of a play it was for him to recover that fumble in bounce on that Miles Garrett strip sack, The body he gets in control there, like phenomenal awareness of where he needed to be how he needed to like roll i mean could not have that i feel like that is like example a that's going to be used on film study for years and years to come of like how to go about that play i mean it was textbook
1: he's one of the highest graded safeties this season
2: yeah he doesn't have that many snaps obviously Because he's still figuring it out. But Uh, I'm very excited about what I see from Ronnie Harrison. But he flies around. I mean, him and, you know, if Delpit can be healthy, like I love thinking about the future at the safety position.
1: We might actually be good. (laughs) We just got to get a couple linebackers. Maybe we can get a
2: linebacker that knows a thing or two. Man, oh, man. Um, All right, well, let's talk about that. And one final point. You made a great point about the defensive line needing to produce outside of Miles Garrett. If I'm painting an optimistic picture, which I'm a Browns fan, so I do that constantly. You're used uh, to that. <laughs> that's, that's all that I do. That's how you've coped for the last. Uh, time. I'm hopeful that after that, we need to get healthy more than anything else. I'm Olivia Vernon's been hurt. Oh, joby has been hurt. Um, Adrian claiborne has been hurt. All these guys have been banged up, and I get the impression that they're operating at like a partial capacity. We have Oakland this week, and then we have the bye week. I hope. That a little bit of rest gets us into a better operating capacity going forward. In the back half of the season, like, we'll start to get a little bit more production from some of those guys. And it might not be all of them, but if we can get a notch more production from the rest of that defensive line, that's going to go a heck of a long way. I think our
1: bye week is uh, fortuitously positioned. I always love like a, a week nine bye. At
2: the center of the schedule. Yep. No doubt.
0: So good. Um, well, let, let's talk about that. The trade deadline's coming up. I had texted you guys earlier in the week, and I wondered what you both had as dream scenarios for a move that the Browns might make before the trade deadline. Um, obviously, there's a good chance we don't do anything, but I wonder if you, if you could pick, if you were the GM of the Cleveland Browns um, and everything fell your way, what would you hope would f- come out in the trade deadline? Matthew, i ask you first. What do you think?
1: Hmm. So if I, it's a hard question because you you have so to, many factors. You you have to weigh the the short term versus the long term. Um, the Browns are not probably in a position where a short term rental makes sense. I mean, what it goes back to the question of our ceiling. Yep. Are there, Are the Browns really a threat to win the Super Bowl this year? If we think so, then. The decision to trade for somebody looks a little different. Yep. Than than if we're looking long term, um, we texted today about Quinn and Williams. I mean, I to get three and a half years of that guy at cost control plus a fifth year option. Like I looked up a fifth year option; it's kind of
0: expensive, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, real expensive. For sure. Um, but but, but, but less expensive it's, it's than the it's exactly Bob that like, it's exactly that it's an option yeah. so you get to choose whether you're in a favorable position to do
1: it and so so i mean there's there's conflicting reports on if he's available and what the price would be um i don't know that i would give up a first for for quinton williams right now but our first is not going to be a first in previous seasons like we're going to be in the 20s Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what would you? I don't.
1: At? I don't have good faith that we can trade for many other positions of need and get somebody who can contribute right away. Like uh, people will talk about trading for safety.
0: That also makes sense long term. Trading. Yeah. Trading, for, I, I'm gonna talk trading, about-
1: trading for Harris. Trading for Marcus May. I'm worried about their ability to contribute right away, in in a way that makes sense for us now and contributes long term. So. Uh Quinn Williams, I would give a uh, second and a fourth.
0: Works for me. I would take that. Second and a fourth? Yep. That's way a, too rich for me. In a heartbeat. Third overall pick. Who's also produced.
1: We have three and a half three and a half years of cost control. Second and a fourth. It's a it's a position of need. It's gonna fill a role much better than we could do with a with a second round pick. Plus, that, I think we have an additional delicious, force delicious, from the Janard Avery
0: trade. Delicious D-line depth.
2: Go ahead, Michael. I'm gonna like opt out of the answering this question. <laughs> I I don't have a good answer. I mean, I I feel like that I've seen lots of talk on Brown on Twitter from Browns fans about a wide receiver. And to me, Kaderil Hodge is coming back. Like what we're lacking right now is some sort of threat um, downfield. Mm -hmm. We don't have that with the players that played on Sunday. And we really need to be able to stretch the field in order to like create some space. But if Kaderil Hodge is coming off IR, which it sounds like he is, I think we're covered there. I'd much rather have somebody that's been in the system, knows what's going on. Like I think Kaderil Hodge is going to be able to provide as much as anybody else coming in could. Like I don't, I don't know why we would commit extra resources well, we've got to bring another wide receiver. We've in.
1: got Taquan Taylor who I'm not a huge fan of, but he's been around and like he's got a, a specific skill set that we can leverage. Right. And we have Ryan Switzer.
2: Yeah. Who's more of a slot guy? I mean, like we have some different options and levers to pull yeah. at the wide receiver position. So I'm not inclined to go after a wide receiver unless there's somebody that's super cheap and you know, doesn't cost us anything. But like, that's not very high on my list. To me, I want a Ronnie Harrison type trade. A guy that's in his rookie deal, is not gonna cost us very much. We're gonna have for beyond just this season.
1: Sounds like Quinton Williams.
2: I mean, <laughs> Quentin Williams would be fine, but that's gonna cost you more than I would prefer to pay. We paid a fifth rounder for Ronnie Harrison, if I recall correctly. Yep. I'm thinking something in that same ballpark For a serviceable linebacker to like throw into the rotation. I mean, that's like of any of the positions that I like want to see us upgrade and feel like we would benefit, you know, this season and, you know, into the immediate future linebacker would be this the spot. And but the the player's I I name is not popping out to me. Like I don't know yeah, who's available. Like and, I, I think anybody that fits that description, any team's gonna want to hold on to.
1: And I don't know enough about the position and the specifics of like a Joe Woods defense. Like I worry about plugging and playing a player like that. Are they ready to go from day one? Because you're running
2: out of time. Yep. No, I hear you. So like linebacker is the only position that's really jumping out to me. Where like it'd be particularly helpful to to add some talent um but the player's not jumping out to me and i just think linebacker play in general i think if you look across the league no one is really like on a rookie deal that there's only a handful of players that really jump out as like plus players that are making an impact and a difference at the linebacker position
1: like san francisco has a couple that i'm really jealous of (laughs)
2: Fred Warner's very good. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Um I would I would love to have those two guys. And there's there's a couple others across the league, but it the list is very slim. And so I mm-hmm. I think honestly when you start to look at it with that perspective, you know, some of the guys that you had chalked up as like, you know, really good young players, like a Jalen Smith, like look like trash right now. And, I mean, the amount of money the Cowboys are playing Jalen Smith is, like, laughable when you see the production on the field. I, I mean, so, honestly— what, what,
1: what would the Cowboys have to give the Browns for the Browns to take Jalen Smith?
2: Oh. <laughs> Their whole draft. It's pretty bad. Um, but, like, it actually yeah. makes me—we We like to complain about, you know, this— cast of characters that the Browns have at linebacker but when you look at the production and even if you're starting to look at some of the PFF grades and things like that guys like Taki, Taki and um, well, like Malcolm Smith even like they're, some of these they're they're, they're doing fairly well like, they're not we embarrassing
1: could, themselves we could
2: be in yeah. a lot worse positions than with the cast of characters that we do have I still think there's room for upgrading but yeah. we, uh, do, we
1: don't we do not have the best linebacker room in the league but for the positional value the the money we're spending versus what we're getting it's decent. We're in
2: decent shape. Yeah. We're in decent shape. I would uh, rather
1: have Tampa Bay's linebacker room.
2: <laughs> although even if you look at them um I don't think Devin Devin White makes some ridiculous plays, but he's not a very consistent player overall. Like he grades in like the 50s from like really? PFF. Yeah, like he he clearly misses like lots of reads and then like makes like really big splash plays that like really jump out to you. He's just a monster. He's so athletic. He's he's insane. He's so fast.
1: Levante David is just like the model of consistency too, which is probably the perfect player to play next to right. a Devin White. But right. So we digress. I I don't I don't know who a good trade is.
2: I don't I don't expect the Browns to make a trade, but. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, if you think about Andrew Barry and what he's told us, like he wants to be aggressive, and so I think I don't doubt that he's like on the phones pretty consistently right now, like trying to like get a uh, sense of what's available, and what options are. But I also I think I agree with you. I don't know that I expect anything. But you really also know comfort- that he's
0: not going to take on a big contract, which are most of, most of the major free agents that are. are- People that are on the trade block right now. I, I almost suspect it to
1: be like a second-tier player. Like, like not even a starter, but just like a depth guy that he's like, it's value.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: we'll take it. I mean... I mean we, unless you think
0: they're going to go um, like they actually want someone to play free safety right now, which is a huge problem. Like if we had uh, someone who's just negligibly better, like one inch better than Andrew Sandejo on every play... <laughs> Like, we would be so much better of a football team right now. Um, C-
1: sendeho being one-inch one slow. But we, let us win this game this we, week.
0: We also have, like, we have a good um, person slotted for that position in Grant Delpit next year. And so, like, how much capital do you want to give up for somebody to win right now when it's not our window is the question. So, like, if, if I was – talking about just this season and win right now, like we have the cap space looking forward to the future. It would be punting. and We'd have to get rid of a valuable asset, probably the person we just traded for. But if we could get like Anthony Harris, that would be great for the rest of our season. I feel like in 2019, he was number one in PFF. He's a Vikings player. Stavansky knows him. Um, I'm sure Stavansky likes him cause he was fantastic last year. Whenever Stevansky was there. um,
1: my my only but question But it's a, it's, a,
0: it's a huge it's a huge cap hit. It's like he's uh-huh. set to make 11 million dollars or yeah, something next year.
1: Cuz he's on the he's on the franchise tag, isn't he?
0: Yep. Right now? Yep. Um
1: my only question with him is just how quickly does can he come in and and yeah. get up to speed. I mean, I I didn't do the research. I don't know what his familiarity and overlap with the kind of Joe Woods defense scheme is it's not a value add if it takes six or seven weeks for a guy to get up to speed. I mean we look at Ronnie Harrison like they didn't want to play him up this until was this the point. first week that he started and yes he did have a concussion the week before but yeah, up until this point us, he hasn't us. been ready. It's been six weeks. If it takes six weeks to get a guy up to speed That's too long. That's a wash. Like yeah. it's not there's no value add. So it's got to be a very specific player in a very specific role at a very specific value for it to make sense for the Cleveland Browns team. That's why I don't expect any trades.
2: I'm with you.
0: I agree. Um, all right, well, let's, let's move on. One of the things I want to talk about, um, is we're sitting here. We're five and two. We're feeling as good as we have felt in a very long time. And, uh, that's about the games that we've already played. If you take a look at our schedule and look at the games that we are set to play, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but we couldn't be in a better position. We only have to win a few, a handful more games to make the playoffs with certainty, and it's very easy to see where those games would be on our schedule with a couple drop balls along the way. Um, so... Where do you guys think we end up this season? Um, and like how do you think the script's gonna be as we as we move through the end of the season and then possibly into the playoffs?
2: I mean, let's just run through the next handful of games. I mean, we play the Raiders. We're favored against the Raiders this week.
1: And
2: I when the only one we beat who, like, them,
0: doesn't feel good about that.
2: It's surprising to me. Um, it's a home game. When we beat and them... And they're giving us three points. So it kind of feels like... We're
1: 3-0 at home.
0: When we I mean, beat them, will Booger McFarland say they beat the teams they were supposed to beat?
1: <laughs> like the Colts
2: and the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good question. Um, then we get our bye week. We get a little rest. We play... We go to... No, we're home to play Houston. Home to play Philadelphia. Go to Jacksonville. To Tennessee. Home, to play, We're home to play
0: Baltimore. To New York. To New, New York.
2: York to play both teams, the Jet Giants and the Jets. And then we finish at home against the Steelers. There's a lot of winnable games in there. The If we don't win those two New York games, like we don't Go. deserve to make the playoffs. Go home. Both of them will be
0: trying to lose at that point in the season, right? That's –
2: And so are the Steelers.
1: They've already both essentially – The Giants could technically still win their division because they're only one game
2: back. (laughs) And the thing – That's a whole different conversation. The thing that I think about looking at the rest of the schedule is there's some teams that I actually feel like they're better than their record indicates. You know, like Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, those three games, like – I've seen all of those teams show up and play like pretty good football. But one thing that is consistent about all of those games and you can lump in the Raiders too. None of those teams play good defense. Mhm. The Eagles are probably the best defensive team of those four. The Browns, the one thing you can count on with the Browns is like a really good offensive game plan that's going to execute like, we are scoring points. Like, that is not a I would, problem. I would love
1: to play a team that doesn't play good defense.
2: Like, and all four of those teams fit that category. Exactly. I have a hard time seeing us, like, struggling against those type of teams that can't play defense. The teams we've had a hard time with are elite defenses, like the Ravens and the Steelers. And I kind of want to make excuses for us ahead of time, to because I know we're going to fall in a, one or two of these games. But I do like the way the matchup's... Are like looking as we look at the rest of this, the balance of the schedule. I think we're gonna end up at ten or eleven wins at the very least. I, I, I at this point, I'd be kind of surprised if we aren't. I
1: mean, if we look at this schedule and we don't play five hundred ball the rest of the way. Oh yeah, like we should be we should be embarrassed for sure, right? Like with the, with the team we've got, with what we've shown that we can do. Like, we should be able to do 500 the rest of the way, which would get us to 10 or 11 wins. Yeah. 10 wins, right? Something like
2: that. Yeah, I mean, there's nine games we left. We have nine games nine, left, seven. so, yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, I,
0: there's no reason not to be optimistic about the rest of this brown season. Plus,
1: look at our last three games. I was talking about this before we started recording. <laughs> We've got Giants, Jets, both of which should be just shoe-in wins. Like, like if, if we're going to be a playoff team, you've got to be able to beat those teams. The, uh, the at Jets, that point the, the
0: well, the Jets won't want to win their second-to-last game, just like we've been in that exact and, situation and I where imagine, we don't want to win. And the I imagine the Giants
1: will be there at that point yeah. in, the, in the season. Um, also, the Steelers is Week 17, which is typical for the Browns. There's a very good chance that the Steelers will be locked in to their position and resting players like Ben Roethlisberger, maybe T.J. Watt, like going into week 17 of that. I mean, they're they're the only undefeated team in the AFC currently. Like, we might get to play against Mason Rudolph in week 17. It might be Giants-Jets-Mason Rudolph. Like... There is very few things that could le- be more fortuitous to the Browns than, than that, like, final three games.
2: Um, there's not a lot of reason to think that we're going to – I mean, it. it is setting up really nicely. I just can't imagine having a better schedule than what we've got, like, out there. I mean, we've got to play our division it, opponents. It's fortunate to be terrible for, for so many years. Yeah. I mean – it it really did shake out nicely to get matched up with that NF, NFC East this year. That's
0: kind of and be third in your division as well. Like it. Yeah. Oh, it like, matters. Like it it matters a lot. Like there there is plus sides to for, having a really good division when you can be a good team. You can end up third in your division and you can play.
2: Yeah, and for those that don't know, I don't know that this is actually that commonly known to everyone listening. Um, and NFL fans in general but the way the NFL schedule works is you know you match up against other divisions so our whole division the AFC North plays the NFC East and what's the other what's the AFC division we're playing this year um, it's the AFC South so we're playing yep the Jaguars and the Texans Mm -hmm. and the Colts and everybody's playing those same teams. But then for the remainder, and then you have your division games, but then to fill out the rest of your schedule, you play the teams in the AFC that finished in the same slot as you did in your division. So we're already playing all those AFC South teams, but we play the AFC East East and West third place teams. Jets. So that's why we're playing the Jets. And the other team is, that's why we're playing the Raiders. And um, that ends up mattering um, oftentimes. And so... Um, the Jets super matter. The Raiders are actually pretty good. So, like,
0: it can it can flip both ways, but um, it's beneficial to our schedule. And, I, I mean, like, is... If we somehow, in an expanded playoff world that we're sitting in, mm-hmm. I, I honestly can't imagine... A way that we don't fit into this playoff picture, seventeen picture, yeah. Like it, it there's just not there. Like I look at this schedule, and there's just not many ways it plays out that we don't yeah, fit I mean, into the playoff picture.
2: Yeah, barring significant injury, I mean that would be like one thing, you know, to one of our star players or something like that. But um, and you hate I mean, to count
0: we, your eggs before they're hatched, especially as a Browns fan. But <laughs> I, I don't want I. I, I can't talk myself out of it. I, I really can't looking how, at this schedule. How many injuries
1: would the Browns have to suffer to to not be favored against the like Jets? Like
0: Baker gets hurt? <laughs> week sixteen. <laughs> I mean who, who would, is who is our well, practice squad to, it quarterback? Have, it would have to be a COVID thing, right? It would have to be like how Laletta
2: starts against the Jets in week sixteen? So the just looking at the standings right now. I mean the AFC is super top heavy. I mean it's crazy. We're five and two, and we are the fifth team, you know, in the playoff picture. If like the season ended today, well, there's
0: only like three teams in the NFL that have a better record than us, right? It's the. It's only well, two Steelers. There's, there's
1: only two teams that have more wins. It's the Steelers and the Chiefs. Okay,
0: the Steelers and the Chiefs, and uh, like technically by percentage, the but Titans the, have a better record. But right. and the Ravens
2: because they've also had a
0: a bye,
2: okay um and so that's those are the four teams that are ahead of us in the afc and then the bills have the same record as us and then the colts are sitting at four and two i mean the only other considerations that you know we need to be weary of is the raiders and the dolphins and that is really why you know as i look at this game this week i do think that the raiders are definitely a threat i am not counting that as a w in any way shape or form I think it's going to be a challenge of a game. It's going to be a dogfight. The Raiders are good, but this game will matter in the long run. Like the we were looking at the Raiders schedule, the Raiders have played some really hard teams and their schedule lightens up a little bit over the balance of the season and they're definitely going to be a consideration in, you know, the playoff picture. And to be able to notch a W against them this week is going to be huge as it re- relates to tiebreakers and everything like that once it comes to the end of the season i mean this was the same situation we knew we were walking into against the colts a couple weeks ago and if i think the raiders are going to be right in that exact same conversation to come away with a w here would be very very significant
0: yeah no absolutely well let's let's talk about our matchup against the raiders looking forward to this game what do you guys anticipate from next week Huh? la dodgers just won the world series what do you guys anticipate? What do you guys think are going to be the key matchups?
2: I I don't want to pretend to be an expert in the Raiders. I've watched a handful of um, quarters of their season, but I have not watched all that much. What The impression I get is that they're a pretty solid offense that can execute pretty consistently, and their defense sucks. Yeah. That's pretty fair um so they just
1: activated Carl Nassib off the 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 IR
2: revved up and ready to go I have go. a soft spot in my heart for Carl Nassib what? um a- anyways I I like that we're at home I think for sure Carl game
1: Nassib.
0: what I'm what I'm worried about is like I think they're gonna score on us I think they're Henry Ruggs is gonna be able to go over the top and i think they're going to be able to seam down the middle with Darren And that's different Darren Darren from Waller. everybody else now. No, no, no. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not it's not different, but like like we are just going to have to score more. It'll be it'll be like a very similar game to this Bengals game, right? And we just have to show up and we have to produce on offense the entire time. So the key our, the matchup would be our margin of error on
1: offense is limited because yes. I think at that point it comes down to forcing turnovers on defense. Like, they're going to move the ball. They're going to be able to score. Like, if we can force turnovers,
0: you can make it happen. I I totally agree. I just always think it's funny whenever someone says, whoever wins the turnover margin. Yeah. That's going to be no crap. That is going to be who wins the game. A winner and it's it's always it's, it's cliche it's so true though and it's why it's a cliche but it's just always funny to but, me. There's, but there's like two
1: ways to play defense there's there's you're either really good at defense and you're dominant and you're stopping people from moving the ball or they can move the ball and you're just kind of trying to, to roll the dice yeah. and, and see if you can make a play or you're the Steelers, and, and, and that's somehow, where we're at
0: or you're the Steelers, and somehow you do both yeah and people can't get over the top on you and i don't i don't understand how
2: um, yeah, no, that's where we're at. Where do you guys think the Browns rank right now as far as um, turnovers forced? Oh, I think we, we're like second.
0: I or think something we're like, that. We're, we're like
1: we're top really five. Really close to the top. I would say top five.
2: We are the top. 14 forced turnovers on the season. No one well, else is at 14.
0: Well, thanks to Miles Garrett. He's responsible for a number of those. I mean, it's four forced No ball, thanks to Terrence
1: Mitchell. Four strip sacks at the <laughs> <been. laughs>
2: So true. So true. How
0: did you drop that? Imagine if we had a loss that game. Oh.
2: How Imagine if we had a
0: loss that game. We like almost did. We were so close to losing that game. It, was pe- it would have been because of Terrence Mitchell.
2: I hope that he gave Baker lots of favors in, in yeah. the locker room afterwards. Like he owes Baker a big one.
1: So many euphemisms.
2: <laughs> Tried to keep... <laughs>
0: All right, well, let's move on. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Lions. Um, right. So, Michael, you, we, we, you pulled the lines for us this week. Tell we, us what we got.
2: I haven't looked at them. We hit a cold streak. I'm not going to lie. And me we in particular. Or you? Well, all of us. Of the nine games, of the nine picks we made last week, only one was picked correctly. And that was Matthew with one. He picked the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers over the uh Las Vegas Raiders. You
1: and Mark picked the exact same picks?
2: We did. It's never a good sign when I pick the same as Mark. Who's winning, baby? Yeah, Mark is ahead uh, by one game over Matthew, who's ahead by one game over me. So it's still pretty tight. We're all floating around 500. It's it's, it's
1: almost like this is just random.
2: Go figure. (laughs) All right, so the game's this week. Thursday night is Atlanta at Carolina. Carolina is favored by two and a half, which is a very interesting line to be at two and a half. Um, This game, I got to go. It's at Carolina. They seem like a better coached team at this point. It's always – I got to go with the Carolina Panthers. Mm -mm.
0: So wrong. All right. The Atlanta Falcons always lose by one point. It is (laughs) the surest thing in the universe and they will lose to Carolina. Don't get me wrong. They will lose, but it will not be by three points. There we go. It will be by one or two. Mark's got the Falcons, (laughs) Matthew.
1: I was so on board with
0: Michael's pick (laughs) until Mark, (laughs) Mark made that case. Um, I think the I think Carolina is three two, points better than the Falcons. Two,
1: two, two and a half just isn't that much, and I I agree with Michael. At the end of the day, they're a much better coached team at this point. the The Panthers have surprised me. I I'm going to take Panthers at home.
2: Yeah, that two and a half point line, like it's just say, not that.
1: Eh, it's just not going to like move me that much. Yeah, three points gets you there.
2: All right, so the Sunday night game is Dallas at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is favored by three and a half points. I mean, who's starting at quarterback for the Cowboys? In this Who game? knows? Who knows? Dalton got knocked out. He was not
1: okay. No. There's no way he comes through.
2: It's really hard for me to watch the replay of that yeah. particular hit. Like that's a really ugly one, especially like, with
1: your boy John Bostic. I
2: can't. I can't. Think about like what it would be like to be like his wife, like watching that play. Is like, that would be Mary? awful. Oh yeah. yes.
1: Has a couple kids, I think. Yeah. Huh. Has a couple dogs, I know. That's what I <laughs> care about more. <laughs> Humans. And I let other people have kids. I just have dogs.
2: <laughs> All right, so Eagles are favored by three and a half in this game. Um, it's at Philadelphia. Matthew, what are you? where are you going? I don't see how the
1: Cowboys score, even if Andy Dalton's uh, the quarterback. They're, they're not good on offense right now. They're trying to figure and out what's going on. It literally
2: might be Garrett Gilbert as their, start, as their yeah, quarterback. It no, should, no, be. It should be.
1: It should be. I'm, I'm going to take Philadelphia because they can't stop. Cowboys can't stop anybody, and I'm not sure that they can score, even with the weapons they have on the outside.
0: All right, Mark. Oh, I I I have to take Philadelphia. I I mean, I can't take the Cowboys. I, I wish I could, but I can't.
2: We all picked the Eagles last week. They won the game, but they didn't cover. And we're all gonna pick the Eagles again this week. <laughs> I can't. I can't pick Dallas. I'd like to. Who, who without
1: knowing who's starting quarterback for Dallas? How are we supposed
0: to? Yeah. I how, mean, how, how uh, do you pick them? I mean, I, and how I know, bad they've I, looked. I think even it with should Dalton. be Garrett Gilbert because I think Garrett Gilbert largely looked all right Competent. for us, and like all right would be better than what Andy Dalton did but does before that, but does he that got move, knocked but out. But does
1: that move your pick? Like. If it's Garrett Gilbert or that other random uh, no-name a, guy? Ben DiNucci? Yeah. Does that change your pick? No.
2: No. no. <laughs> it doesn't. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like. But I'm just, if I had, how would. We want to see Garrett Gilbert. How yeah, so you to say, I
0: want Garrett Gilbert. Go Browns.
2: I would love to see Garrett Gilbert succeed here. Yeah. All right. That brings us to the Browns game. We're playing at one o'clock again. Las Vegas Raiders heading to Cleveland to play the Browns. The Browns are currently favored by three points in this game. I'm taking the Raiders. Are you? (laughs) Yeah. He's taking the Raiders. All right. Look at
0: you, Matthew. Don't be soft, Matthew.
1: I think three's a lot. I'm surprised we're favored in this game, to be honest. Although we are 5-2 and two and they're 3-3. Three and three. Maybe that's just like an inferiority complex of mine. Um, I feel like a coward not picking the Browns, so I'm going to pick the Browns. Where, <laughs> where do uh,
0: Don't be a coward. Um, I feel like I've been thrown under the bus here. I'm trying to win. I'm going for gold, baby. John Gruden. It's the, hard. Cause... John Gruden is the best coach in the NFL, not even close. I, I always have a hard time when <laughs> I obviously It is a well-coached team. But don't don't send us an email,
2: please. I always feel like it's hard to pick against the Browns when I think they're going to win, even if the line is three and I think it might be close. And I do think the Browns. I, I do think the Browns are going to win this game. And so I'm going to go ahead and go with the Browns. Um, Just wait till Sunday, about like
1: 1030. Oh, and he, he starts getting the Sunday. Yeah, the, the Sunday scaries really start setting in early. The and clammy
2: hands. Oh, yeah.
0: The, the incessant texting. Guys, I'm feeling nervous. Real <laughs> nervous.
2: Every week.
0: Oh, I love it. All right. Well, tune in next week to see if Mark's um, lack of confidence in the Browns turns out, and he catches up, or furthers his lead. That's what I meant. Um, But also, in the meantime, um, if you like our podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you told a friend about the podcast, and you let them know. um, A couple guys talking about the Browns. Share the love. um, Spread it out. Or you could just follow us on Instagram, or you could follow us on Twitter, um, at Sin of Our Fathers. We would really appreciate it. And I hope I'm wrong. You can send
2: us emails too. And a shout out to Cliff in Phoenix, who sent us an email this week. Thanks, Cliff. Yeah, I think we actually largely covered the topic he brought up, which was about how well Baker played without OBJ on the field. We had a, probably a, too long of a conversation about that particular topic. Uh, but really appreciate the engagement from our fans and love to hear it. So thanks, Cliff. And would love to hear from others. Son of our fathers at gmail.com. Um, go, Browns. We're on the road to 6 and 2, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you.